Welcome to Business as an Adventure, a podcast dedicated to improving the businesses and lives of creative entrepreneurs. Together, we interview high-performing entrepreneurs and creatives from all over the world, explore what makes them and their business unique. And along the way, we uncover their secrets to help you craft your own adventure in the world of business. All right. So today on the podcast, we have Chelsea Strazzo, a Hawaii-based photographer for adventurous couples and business coach for photographers. Originally from Texas, Chelsea moved to Oahu to chase her dream of being a wedding photographer. She has an extensive travel bucket list, a degree in photojournalism, and even worked in the motocross industry before making the jump to pursue her photography dreams here in Hawaii. She considers herself an expert in all things the office, parks and rec, and friends, and of course, Hawaii elopements. Additionally, she's built her elopement business beyond just shooting weddings and now has started her own business coaching brand where she helps photographers find their niche and level up their business game. She has grown her own photography business from $100 Craigslist photo shoots to consistently making over six figures year after year. Chelsea, welcome to the show. We're so excited to have you here. Thank you for having me. This is very exciting. Okay. Chelsea, when I when I was doing um when I was doing a little bit of, of a deep dive on you and you know reading all about you on your website, obviously you have a really good social media presence. <laughs> One of the things that stood out to me the most is you pursued a, a career in moto, motocross? <laughs> yeah. Can you just, I'm sorry, but can you just talk about this for three seconds? Because this is really interesting. Of course. I could talk about it for a long time. So it was very random. It was very random. I knew nothing about dirt bikes. I knew nothing about the sport. I knew people in the industry and I was graduating from school with that photojournalism degree. And this company that I worked with um, was called Verb Moto and they have like shut down, come back, done all kinds of different things since I left. But they were a really fun company to work with, but they wanted to have somebody that had a little bit more of a structure. It was started by like a few guys, you know, just having fun at the tracks. And so they brought me on, threw me in. It was sink or swim. I had to learn all of a sudden about engines on these bikes and different race classes and all these racers' names, everything from the amateurs to the pros. It was wild and it was fun. It was a great learning experience, but it was very, very fast paced and very like, as far as photo goes, the riders just wanted like the next picture, you know, the next race, the next things for their Instagram. And it wasn't, it wasn't like really valued long-term. It was very short-term gratification. And so that's what kind of like pushed me back into the wedding stuff is to have something a little more long-term. But yeah, it was a really random and fun two years of my life living out of the RV at, at the races, having to like bring all these Q-tips to get dirt out of my ears. And it was a crazy life, very different than <laughs> what I live now. So you lived in a, a camper van for two years? We, well, no, I mostly lived in a house, but for like a few months <laughs> out of the year, we would be traveling to like the races and be in the RVs and yeah, just with a bunch of stinky boys and, and uh, yeah. <laughs> So how do you transition from that to Hawaii wedding photographer? I really was, I started out in the weddings and then I, you know, took that little detour. And when I was living in, I lived in Southern California for the motocross stuff because there are a ton of tracks out there. And I really just was like obsessed with the ocean. And I found myself more just kind of skipping out on the races and going to the beach and just like really gravitated towards it. Um, and my parents actually lived here. So I would come out, you know, a couple times a year. And I finally just was like, you know what, this is something I've always wanted to do. Um, I used to see like photographers on the beach out here and be like, wow, I wonder, you know, what a dream. I, I could never do that. And 
I just decided that, uh, you know, getting a little tired of the motocross stuff, I just saw this opportunity to make a big change and I just went for it. And I kind of took a little break when I got here and then somebody asked me to do portraits for them. And then it just, it took off almost immediately. So I just kind of like had a spark reignite for the portraits and the elopements and the weddings. And I just feel like I found my place here. So when you moved to Hawaii, was the, was the first thing that you did photography or were you doing something else in the interim? <laughs> That's a funny story as well. So I started out, I wasn't really sure how to market here. Um, I didn't know anybody and I hadn't really like gotten into like, I mean, my website was almost non-existent at that point. Um, So I just went to work at a surf shop. This is like the only time in the past like 12 years I've had a non-photography job. I went and I worked at a surf shop and then I saw that they were going to be filming Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates here. Did you guys see that movie with Adam Devine and Zac Efron? I did. No. <laughs> this is another really random turn in my story. So I went and auditioned for a role for that. I didn't get it. But they were like, where do you live? I said, North Shore. They said, we need North Shore extras for like two months. Can you come do it? And I said, sure. So I quit the I quit the surf shop. I was an extra on set for like two months. And at the same time, I started building my photography website and taking on clients. So by the time the checks from the movie stopped, I had consistent clients for the portraits. And so that movie kind of like was a really odd transition into doing photo full time again. That's probably like the coolest job (laughs) pre-photography that I've heard. I'm like, I was a teacher. (laughs) (laughs) I worked a summer at Ululani Shave Ice. (laughs) Not as cool as being an extra. (laughs) It was the most, yeah, it was so random. And I just, it was like really shortly after I moved here. So I was just like, what is my life? You know, (laughs) couldn't talk to Zac Efron or Adam or any of the people, but they were there. I could look at them and I did. (laughs) (laughs) An uncomfortable amount, I'm sure. (laughs) So you mentioned that, um, you know, when you moved here, you had a, you didn't know like where to start with marketing. Can you talk a little bit about what it's like to market to, I'm assuming most of your clients are destination clients, like everyone's coming here. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it's, I would say probably 90% of my clients are destination clients. And it's, it's a whole different ballgame, you know, when you're trying to reach people that you don't really have like a personal connection with, you don't have um, a ton of referrals coming in. So I started out by just utilizing all of the free marketing that I could. I didn't really have a big budget for ads or anything like that. So um, I was just focused on SEO and keywords and blogging and social media was big for it too. So I exhausted all of my free marketing um, avenues and really just threw myself into blogging regularly, once a week at least, sometimes a few days a week, focused on like I had the Yelp, you know, reviews pop in, Facebook, and all of that fun stuff. So I think the thing with attracting tourists and stuff like that is having a brand that kind of like speaks to Hawaii and really is showing off like all the beauty of Hawaii, and then knowing what they're hopping online to search for and really knowing like how they're thinking whenever they type into Google, what words are popping up for them. And then also learning how to market to them just with things to do in Hawaii. 
Um, I've had like a number of inquiries say that they were just searching for stuff to do. And then they saw like my hiking photos or like just photos at the beach. And they're like, oh, shoot, let's get our engagement pictures done while we're there. So just kind of utilizing what are they looking for online in general on top of what are they looking for when they're looking for a photographer. How did you get into that headspace of of what people are looking for online? Uh, There's a lot of folks who would love to get into more sort of like content writing as opposed to just sharing past shoots, but they don't really know where to start or what types of things to write on their blog. Sometimes it's just about looking at what previous clients have asked me in terms of like writing those blogs that are solving problems rather than just posting, you know, portfolio things. So like frequently asked questions, things I wish people knew too, just simple things like why you still need a coordinator, even though you're having a wedding in Hawaii, just like situations that have come up in the past. And I'm like, shoot, I wish that this person had been educated on this. So there's that aspect of it. And then as far as like getting in their headspace for what they're searching for, I think sometimes people really like aren't thinking in terms of how we Google things ourselves. Um, you know, if people are putting on their blog, like sunflower sunset photo shoot or whatever, like people aren't really looking for that unless they're looking for inspiration for that shoot, probably. And I, I try to like relate it to people. Like if you're looking for like a yoga class, you're not like stretchy class in the city. You're like yoga in Honolulu. So really just getting like specific about, the, <laughs> yeah, I, I like that one. Getting specific about. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> the exact service and the city that you're in and you know taking it from state to more of like a general region to a city to like a neighborhood and really narrowing down those things so how long have you been shooting out there now it's been about six years okay so six six years out there talk to us a little bit about the, the things you didn't expect, because I know, it, I mean, this isn't a huge thing in Canada, but so many Americans I talk to, move, you guys move around the States like crazy. And p- photographers are always talking about like, oh, you know, I wish I could move my business to Denver, or I wish I could move my business to the East Coast or whatever. What were some of the things that you didn't expect moving from, you know, some weddings on the mainland to Hawaii and then building that business up? I think I didn't expect that I would have to be so involved in the actual wedding planning. And I feel like that maybe is like a, maybe other people that would be obvious, but I had no idea that I would have to be so hands on. And so in the beginning, when I was doing it, I was really like, okay, I'm going to show up at this time and see you there. Thanks for the deposit, you know? And it wasn't until I started realizing like people really have no idea of anything they're thousands of miles away how can i help them to give them a better day so really getting more involved with the coordination and the planning and matching them with vendors that actually like are similar to them and the vibe that they're going for and also just kind of being like a a bit of a tour guide having recommendations and having a file of those so i'm not having to write it every single time because there is not one client that's a tourist that I haven't given a ton of recommendations to. So I didn't realize all of that would be part of it. But once I started doing it, I actually just felt way more connected to the couples. And it really, I don't know, it just helped the experience overall having that 
I'm not just there as their photographer and showing up and leaving. I'm all of these things. I'm helping them plan. I'm helping them coordinate. I'm planning their trip for them sometimes in a way. So it's been like a nice, a nice add on to have. And, you know, it's a better client experience as well. They're happier. I'm doing more things. So I'm charging more money and everybody's happy. Yeah. Yeah, it's huge. I So my market is very similar. Um, I'm just outside of Banff in, oh, in yeah. Canada. And so everybody flies here to get married. And as soon as we created like a mountain guide of like, whether your guests or you are coming from landing in Vancouver and driving through the mountains or coming here, here's everything in between all of our favorite coffee shops, hikes, et cetera, et cetera. And we've had like, it took me a couple of hours to put that together, but we've had brides say like, I would have spent an extra thousand dollars hiring you guys if I knew this was coming because the amount of stress that takes off of them is huge. Yeah, exactly. And they're kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm assuming they're trying to plan like a less stressful day. They're coming to Banff and, um, you know, they want it to be fun and relaxing and, yeah, same with coming to Hawaii. They don't want to be super stressed out and they don't want to have to do all this research. It's part of the reason that they're deciding to just pick up and come to Hawaii rather than have some like crazy wedding back on the mainland. So, yeah, being able to provide that for them is huge. Yeah. You know, with COVID and everything yes. that's going on, what differences have you seen in people who are looking to elope in Hawaii now versus, you know, back in 2019? It has been a it's been wild. I feel like now more than ever, people need help in planning it because a lot of these people had no idea that they were even going to come to Hawaii. So it's kind of turned into people, their mainland wedding can't happen and they're tired of waiting and they see that Hawaii has the quarantine bypass and they see all these amazing pictures and they're like, fuck it, we're going to go to Hawaii and we're just going to do this. And everybody else like that we were doing this wedding for can kick rocks and we'll come back and we'll do a reception with them later. So it's almost like it's bringing in more of these people that are like, we we didn't care about the traditional to begin with. And now we really get to just have the day that we want. That's what I'm finding a lot with people. And it's it's awesome to talk to them and let them know that like their plan B is so many people's plan A And it's also so many people's dream that they could never even like fathom is possible, you know. And so just because they can't have that, you know, huge wedding that they thought was their dream, I think we're actually giving them something better than that. So I've seen that as a huge change. And I like it. I I pretty much pivoted just to elopements. I was already like on my way. I kept like taking out like the bigger wedding packages and but I still had intimate weddings on my website. And then I just finally was like, I, I'm done with it. Everybody else that I'm, you know, that I'm working with right now, they didn't want that day to begin with. I was like, I'm just going to take it off. So I feel like it's really calling in even more of those elopement couples that just want to have that day that is just about the two of them. So I feel like the wedding landscapes have changed forever, probably. You know, people are really starting to rethink, like, what is important to begin with? And where do we want our money to go when it comes to planning this day? So that's been a huge change that I've loved seeing. And I've also noticed people are just booking way closer to the actual date. It's like March right now. I'm still getting stuff for the end of March because people are like, what's going to happen? And they're waiting until they know for sure. Yeah, I've noticed that too. Is that, is that a marketing and business shift that you intend to just hang on to now? You mentioned taking the big wedding packages out. Are you just going to be sticking with elopements going forward? Yes, for sure. I think it's something I've been thinking about it for years. And I loved the intimate weddings. I really did. But I really feel like I do my best work with the elopements. 
And the more that I'm showing just the elopements, the more those bookings are coming in. So it's also funny because with my students, I talk to them about niching down. And it was when I was like building my coaching program and, you know, typing up everything about niching down and stuff. And I was like, I could still niche down more. I feel like you can always niche down a little bit more. So I, I feel like I kind of like Marie Kondo, like my whole life, like this does not bring me joy. This does not bring me joy, like in every aspect. So I just like going through creating the coursework. I was like, some of these intimate days are, you know, they're stressing me out beyond what is what is normal. So I have like my current ones that I've gotten to know the couples really well. And I'm super stoked for their days. You know, I feel like they're friends. But going forward, I feel like elopement is almost like what I was meant to do. And I'm happy to kind of just step into that and then just keep it at that. Yeah. Even in the elopement world, there's there's all sorts of different avenues you can go. Like here, there's lots of folks who are in like the hiking adventure, heli elopement market, or there's like what I call like the glamping elopement where it's like you go to Moraine Lake where you only have to go 100 feet out of your car to be in an amazing space. And there's lots of different ways you can go. So when, I mean, you mentioned your, your niching and, and your education that you build. When you're talking to other photographers about narrowing the scope of their focus for marketing and everything else like that how narrow do you recommend going i feel like narrow as possible without alienating certain types of people so having that very specific service but not having like a super narrow on the person too much i feel like a lot of people talk about like their ideal client in very 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 specific ways down to the way that they look and things like that. And I'm like, let I don't even talk about that. I talk about their personalities and the vibes and the day that they want to have. So I feel like once you get into that, then it's like, okay, back up a little bit. Because that's the important, everybody deserves to have a great photography experience on their wedding day. And I don't think it matters like what they look like, or like asking them for their Instagram handles when they're inquiring with you. Like, I don't care, as long as we're like vibing. So I, I feel like you can niche I feel like, I don't know. I don't know what the answer would be if there's like a a stopping point besides that of, you know, this specific person, because I feel like the more you're niche down, the more you're just going to love what you're doing every single day, the better job that you're going to do. And the more you're going to be calling in those folks. When you said you were Marie Kondoing, like your, your life and your business. I love that. And I kind of, I kind of hope that we get a good pull quote from that because I do feel like you know, the, the more you look at your life and your business and what brings you joy and you hold on to those things, right? And then the things that don't bring you joy, you throw out. So on that same line there, what things in your business don't, do not bring you joy that you want, that you outsource, that you get help with? What are those things? That's a great question because I just started outsourcing a ton of stuff. Because I saw I have this opportunity to expand on the coaching and even, you know, just in the photography, taking on associates and things like that. So my biggest outsourcing right now has been setting up all my workflows again because I'm like revamping them. And workflows, like when you're in Dubsado, I've never used HoneyBook, but I'm imagining it's the same. Dubsado is like super powerful and there's like a million different things you can do with it. And I sat down to look at it and I was like, I don't know how to do this. And I'm not going to sit here. I don't like doing this. This is this is taking me a lot of time. And then to back it up, it was like I had to redo the workflows because I was tired of sitting in my emails. I'm in my emails, you know, a couple hours a day 
And it's like, there's got to be a better way to do this. So it kind of led to bringing on an assistant for my workflows in Dubsado. And I've got her for three months, like cleaning it up, making sure that I know how to use it. It's been amazing, amazing. Like the first phone call I had with her, she had everything laid out. And I was like, why have I been struggling with my emails for years? You know, and just having somebody come on and do that, it's like been life changing. And then my brain has different energy power to work on other things that I actually enjoy doing rather than figuring that stuff out. And I also brought on a VA to help me with kind of some random tasks. I'll be like, hey, I need you to redo this highlight for me because I don't want to sit in Canva all day and redo all these things. She gets my photos to blog, puts them in Blogstomp for me, helps me keyword and does Tailwind, does Pinterest. I don't know. I, I know how to Pinterest for recipes in my apartment. I, I don't know other than that, besides like having Tailwind automate it for me. So I've, you know, set her on that. And it's been, it's been huge to have that energy to put other places. Um, and the, the last thing that I've been outsourcing now is my editing. I do like editing. I will edit the sneak peeks and then I hand it off because to me, I'm not making money when I'm sitting there editing. I make money by marketing and going out and shooting. So those have been some great things to just take off my plate. And then I'm excited to sit down and work rather than, oh, shoot, I got to, you know, edit for five hours straight because I'm on a deadline. That's not bringing me joy. That does not spark joy. It goes to somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think so many people are in the opposite mindset of, you know, if I don't outsource, I'm not paying somebody else to do it. I just do it myself. But what they're missing is that they're trading their time for, you know, things that they don't like to do. And that time is what's going to end up making you money at the end of the day. Exactly. And, you know, making you happier. Yes. <laughs> you want to work so you can live, not live so you can work. Yeah. And I've, now that things are like picking back up, and I'm, I'm kind of, you know, looking at a really busy year, I'm thinking back to, you know, pre COVID, how I was busy and how it's hard for me to like separate the two. Like, I feel like, you know, I get in those modes when I'm at home, that laptop is open and I'm working. And if I'm not working, I'm wasting time. And I've worked really hard to get out of that mindset and remind myself it's okay to go to the beach. It's okay when your friends call you to say, you know what? Yeah, I'm gonna go hang out. So I'm being very aware that I have that problem and trying to set myself up for it this year to not have that problem. And yeah, just I don't want to to live to work. I want to work to live and have that free time. And then, like I said, the biggest thing for me is like freeing up that energy to put my mental energy somewhere else and get creative and have fun because so much of it gets wasted on all those other tasks and it's just so draining sorry I'm, yeah, my dog is whining over here i don't know if you guys can hear him <laughs> can't okay. hear it it's all right <laughs> well, let's talk about your dog for a second <laughs> because you know like at, at the end of at the end of this you know we can tell everyone where to follow or to find you on uh, social media and we'll put it in the show notes and all of that but you do have a really good social media presence um you know you have a very specific brand on your social media and part of that brand is Peter, the one I dug. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He works his way into your stories daily. Can you talk a little bit about that line that you draw with social media? Or if there is a line between, you know, 
business and the hustle and all that. And then your personal life as well. Yeah. So yeah, PD over here, he's made his way into my Instagram, not even on purpose. It just kind of happened and people loved him so much. And I take, if you look at my camera roll on my phone, I mean, it is Peter, 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 Peter. Everything he does, I think is like the most cute thing that I've ever seen in my entire life. So I kind of just like, yeah, I'll just throw it in there. Um, I love Peter and he's got his, his Instagram fans, but yes, I, I do keep a lot off of Instagram. I don't want to overshare, you know, on there. And I, I feel like, you know, I don't ever want to share too much about relation, my relationship ever again. You know, I, (laughs) you saw, (laughs) I was engaged and now I'm not. And, uh, it was just, it was crazy how much it like affected me that it, that that whole relationship was online. Because even as I was like, should I go through with this or not go through with this? The thought of Instagram did cross my mind. I'm like, he's all over my Instagram. And then I was like, who cares? Like, you know, if I'm not happy, I'm not happy. But it was, it was crazy that that thought even came into my mind. Like I know how ridiculous that is. So I don't ever want to, to be in that place where I'm, it was almost like he was becoming a part of the brand because he was helping me with my business um, and things like that. And it just, you know, the nobody's going on there until it is maybe until I'm married and then they can, then they can make their Instagram (laughs) debut. But that was a, that was a little bit too much of having my personal life on there, but I do like to share you know, and the other aspect of it, I shared the other day about like, um, some of my mental health struggles last year with COVID and my relationship ending. So I do share in that sense of, you know, I have anxiety, I've dealt with depression, and I share it to let other people know that this is what I've gone through. Hey, if you've gone through this, this is, you know, it's okay to get on medication, it's okay to take mental health days, it's okay to, you know, take care of yourself. But I would never, I think the line there would be like, you're never going to see me post a picture or a video of me when I'm having like a mental breakdown, you know, but, and I've seen people do that. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm not. We're on the same page when it comes to that. I'm like, oh no, no, please. Okay. Just, yeah. (laughs) The last thing I'm thinking of when I'm having like, you know, a depressive episode is let me grab my phone and document this. It's like, let me grab my phone and call my therapist. Like, that's, that's what needs to be put out there. Not that. Anyways. (laughs) So yeah, so I, I, I shared in that aspect, but I do keep, you know, there's a, there's a good bit that I just keep to myself that I'm like, other people don't need to know this. And I don't want to have to explain relationship stuff ever again. Yeah. But, you know, I think that with everybody's brand, um, everyone draws that line in a different spot. You know, I, I do share photos of my kids. A lot of people don't share photos of their kids, but I'll never share a photo of, um, oh, look, hey, we're potty training Claire now. Right. I, you know, stuff like that is um, over the line for me. But other people, you know, they have like a no holds barred, like they they show absolutely everything that's part of their brand and that's what their following wants. So, um, you know, I think everyone has to really examine their business and see where that, where that line in social media is where you're comfortable. And, you know, hopefully they don't have to learn the hard way <laughs> where that line is. Yeah. Yeah. I think everybody will 
they learn the hard way to a to a degree because the more the more you share the less you share you're going to attract or or repel different types of clientele you know there's there's businesses out there i know that are like they're so focused on being professional that they have no personality to their brand and that has a certain impact versus the opposite where like you were mentioning like people who just share everything and that has an impact to your brand it's like one one way or the other there's there's upsides and downsides to it all yeah, I feel like I kind of think about it in a way like if I'm if I'm sitting hanging out with people that I've maybe met a few times, what would I tell them? And sometimes I do overshare with people, you know, if I meet a girl and I we just are like vibing, I tell her my whole freaking life story. And sometimes that's what I'm doing on Instagram too. I tell like a lot of really personal stuff, but there'd still be stuff that I'm not going to share, you know, in a in a big group setting and I kind of think of it that way. Right. So you went from photojournalist, motocross <laughs> photographer to elopement photographer, really niching down and finding those clients that you love, you know, throwing big weddings out the window, which works really well for COVID times. Yes. And now you've um, pivoted, which is the word, like, that's like the word of the year, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> but you pivoted now into education for photographers. So... How did you make that pivot and how is that going for you? It's going really well. I actually just wrapped the first ever round of my coaching program called the Game Changer Academy. So it's kind of like a hybrid online course and one-on-one coaching. I have online modules just focusing on narrowing their niche and that ideal client and then a big marketing module about social media, blogging, and all of that fun stuff. And then we have six weekly one-on-one calls to really like tailor it to them. Because I, I think, you know, it's different. Everybody's business is different. And the one-on-one aspect was important for me so that, you know, they get to all of their like mind-blowing blown ideas. They're not like afraid to share like with other, you know, photographers in the in the group and, you know, all that fun stuff. So having the one-on-ones was really awesome. I don't see that a lot with courses either. So that was kind of like a, a gap. I was like, Ooh, I want that because I love to talk to my students and really like pump them up. And they're all so different. I loved it. And the the transition for that, I actually kind of started to get into education a couple of years ago, but I was almost like afraid to say that that's what I was doing. Because I, I feel like it's, I don't know, to be like, oh, I'm an educator. Oh, I'm a business coach. It just, I didn't feel like I was qualified or worthy. And so I kind of started small. And, you know, had a few mentor sessions and things like that. And just based on feedback, even just like with my friends who have businesses unrelated to photography, I got a lot of, you know, positive feedback. And they're like, you have to do this. And I just figured out how to do it in a way that was based on what I've done. So with so many courses out there and educators and stuff, I didn't want to do something general. I was like, what have I done specifically that I can really talk about and make it so worthwhile for these girls. And I I thought about it a lot in terms of what were some of the pivotal points in my business? What things did I learn from? What mistakes did I make? And really, it was like that niching down and learning how to market to, you know, my dream clients was what brought me here. And so, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of how I got into it. And I actually like I was saying, I, a few years before that, I was like trying, like dabbling in the educational stuff. I actually got my own business coach for it. 
And then that really accelerated everything. And it was kind of one of those like practice what you preach, like I'm telling them get a business coach, get a business coach. And I was like, I want somebody that I don't want to spend another year trying to figure out how to do this or trying to sell out a, a course. It's like, I want to do it this year. So invested in her and then it sold out, you know, in under a week. So that was really exciting. That's amazing. Congratulations Thank on that. Thank you. That's huge. Yeah, I definitely think that practice which you preach is, is huge. I mean, that's that's mostly like my wife and my photography business has basically been shuttered uh, these days because I'm a coach and I spend most of my time doing that. But you have to practice what you preach. You have to have your own coaches and, and, and learn that way and, and know what that process is like. So what, what would you say, because I agree with you in the fact that the one-on-ones are missing from a lot of the education world. What would you say, like you've done your first round now, have you got feedback of the the benefits from these the the, the people who have taken your course uh, versus the the online education versus the one on one? And this, is, I mean, pre- preach to the audience and and tell them the benefits of the one on one is essentially what I want to say because there's so many online courses out there, especially for photography. So I mean, pump, pump up your own tires if you want to. That's fine. But, right, yeah. <laughs> like, what 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 was the thought process behind wanting that one on one, and how has that impacted your students? That is my my long winded way to get to that question. It's <laughs> great we got there. Um, so I actually did a ton of market research. That was a big part um, of the the course that I was in to build my course was doing that market research, which is something I had never done with my educational content before. I would kind of be like, oh, this is going to be the seller. This is what people want. And I was like, no, I never went and asked people, what do you want? What's missing? So I talked to like 10 photographers and I was very intentional intentional about talking to photographers that I knew had gone to in-person workshops and had done online courses and a lot of the popular ones. And I just said, like, you know, don't hold anything back. Tell me what was not working. And I heard, you know, a lot of different things. But the number one thing I heard from every single girl was they had no one-on-one time with anybody. And they left feeling like, they didn't know how to implement anything that they learned. So you can tell people, hey, you need to keyword your blogs or use alt text on your photos. And people have no idea how to do that. So I could like hop on, share screens, show the girls how to do it. I know how to do like a ton of different website platforms. So getting to actually do it with them and show them was such a huge thing for me to be able to do. And then talking to every single girl, like with our wrap up calls, you know, like just, you know, what did you think about the course? They all loved the one-on-ones. They said the one-on-ones was the thing that they would be doing the work and they would just be looking forward to those one-on-one calls so they could ask me anything. Can you guys hear Peter? Just (laughs) We can hear him now. Look, he's even making his appearance in the podcast. Peter. So on brand. Peter, stop. <laughs> Sorry. This, I was giving you a little tough. I get it. Yeah. Should I just pick We're up? We're all dog owners. We get it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he's so needy. Yeah. We did a podcast with someone else and my dog was like whining at the door incessantly. And so I forgot to mute my, <laughs> forgot to mute my microphone. And I was like, Lilo, shut up. <laughs> okay, I'm just like, yeah. And then our editor had to like edit it out, but now everybody knows. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, it's fine. now it's out there. <laughs> he has his. That's his the thing, is like, our podcast is very, like, it's real life. <laughs> okay. Yeah. This is real life. 
So, yeah, like I was saying, I, everybody I talked to was like, you know, the one-on-one calls were the the number one favorite part that they had for it. And, you know, I called I called it the Game Changer Academy because everything I was doing, I was like, this is going to be a game changer. This is going to be a game changer. And that, so many of the girls were like, the one-on-ones were the game changer. It was it was awesome to hear that because that was the that gap I was trying to fill. And I never, ever wanted anybody to leave my course or my program and say A, B, and C was missing. I wanted it to be like exactly what was missing from everything else. So yeah, I kind of built it based off of the problems rather than like, oh, this is what I've done here. Look at this. It's like, no, what do people actually need? Yeah, that's huge. That's huge. So what's next? What is next? That's a good question. (laughs) So I'm going to launch GCA again, I believe in June. I was going to wait until the fall, but I had so many girls that wanted to sign up for the first one and it was just bad timing. And my wait list was just kind of growing and growing. So I'm like, okay, let's do it. And that's another reason for a lot of that outsourcing um, so that I can focus on them. Doing doing 10 one-on-one calls a week is, you know, it's a it's a little time consuming, takes a lot of energy. So I love saving it to put towards them. I'm doing that. I'm considering doing a high level mastermind for established photographers. GCA is more for people trying to figure out their niche and all of that. And the mastermind would be more for people who already have that niche. They're trying to figure out how to bring on associates, how to build a team, what's the right way for them, how can they, you know, offboard some of those tasks that they don't need to be taking on anymore. And then do it all again in the fall, I think. And, uh, you know, my my goal is to have education be a huge, huge part of my brand. But I, I don't ever see myself letting go of doing my elopements and my adventures. So I'll definitely still be doing that. Awesome. All right. There's a lot of directions we can go, but I think we're coming up. We're coming up close to our time, so... So Chelsea, can you, um, can you tell us a little bit where folks can find you? Yes. So Instagram is my main source of attention <laughs> when I'm on my phone or on my computer. So on Instagram at Chelsea Strazzo and my website is just ChelseaStrazzo.com. Awesome. Awesome. And we'll put all of those in the show notes for everybody so you can easily find Chelsea and, and the Game Changers Academy and everything else like that. And so we asked the same question to everybody at the end of our time together, which is seeing as business as an adventure, what are the field guide or notes that you would give to somebody starting their own business adventure? Oh, I could go a lot of different ways with it. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like it's... There's no wrong answer. (laughs) I feel like it's, it's kind of cheesy, but you do have to follow your heart. You have to follow your gut. I wish that's something I would have done sooner. Not only follow it, but just trust it. You know, hearing what feels good, what sounds good, trusting it, following it, and following it wholeheartedly, even when it gets tough. You know, I feel like a lot of times we talk about photography as business. Oh, I love it so much. I love it so much. Just because you love it so much doesn't mean that you love it every single day. (laughs) And sometimes it's like, okay, that, you know, I'm ready to to hang up the camera straps and be done. I've had a lot of moments of feeling like that. And I feel like sometimes the best ideas are about to come when you feel like that, because 
you do still have that passion. You do still have that fire. And I feel like when you get to that point of like, I, this is getting too much, I can't do it. That's when your brain like is like, well, how can I continue to do it? So yeah, follow your heart and stick with it through the ups and downs. Perfect. One last thing with the game changers, uh, are there spots still open for that June class or should they just hop on your website and get on the wait list? Get on the wait list. I haven't opened up enrollment yet, but wait list gotcha. members get first access and they're going to get a little bit of a discount and some early bird perks. Perfect. All right. Well, thanks so much for, for joining us today. We really appreciate you having you yeah, on. Thank you for having me. That was fun. Thanks so much for tuning into our show today. You can find a transcript of this episode and all of our episodes, as well as our show notes at businessasanadventure.co slash podcast. You can find us on our Instagram at businessasanadventure. We'd also love to see you in our Facebook community, where we provide weekly free education for our fellow adventurers. You can find the link in our show notes. And finally, if you want to get a weekly, not spammy, email from us with our favorite things we've found in the business and creative world, you can sign up for our Field Note Fridays at businessasanadventure.co slash Field Notes. <laughs>